RNZ News at Midday. Good afternoon, I'm Nicola Wright. Food banks and social service providers say many families are struggling to put any food on the table due to the rocketing prices. The 8.3% annual rise in food prices for the year to September is the highest since 2009. Fruit and vegetables were up 16%. The head of Whakatū Whanaunga Trust in Ōpōtiki, Stephen Walker, says its food bank service has been inundated. Everything suffers because of it. Education suffers for our children. Just daily life changes because you're struggling every day. You don't know where your next meal is coming from. I mean, it sounds like third world type of situation. And for some, that's exactly how it is. Stephen Walker says even with the extra government funding for food banks from the COVID budget, the organisation is struggling to meet the need for help. You can hear the full interview with Stephen Walker shortly on Midday Report. Dozens of residents in Melbourne's northwest are being urged to evacuate their homes as floodwaters rise rapidly. Flooding near the Maribyrnong River is expected to reach above floor level for single-storey houses. About 70 homes are affected by the emergency warning. Many regional communities in Victoria are also being told to evacuate and the state emergency service is warning that a dam near Wedderburn in the north is likely to fail after heavy rain. Here's the BBC's Basil Emdalo. The dam breach will result in almost one metre of strong, fast-moving waters through the Wedderburn township via the Calder Highway. Residents are urged to evacuate to the relief centre open at the Wedderburn Hall as soon as possible. The SES says people who can't leave should shelter towards the back of their homes until the water subsides. Elsewhere in Victoria, residents of Seymour are being told to evacuate immediately as the Goulburn River is above major flood level and rising. Major floods are expected to impact Rochester soon with the Campaspe River expected to peak on Friday afternoon. The epidemiologist Michael Baker is calling for more leadership so the country can respond quickly to a fresh COVID wave. COVID cases have started to slowly increase and the first case of the new Omicron subvariant BQ11 has also been detected here. Michael Baker says the country needs some sort of system to describe the changing level of risk in a way people understand. We have alert level systems for fires, for uh, storms, for earthquakes, for all these other threats. I think we need one again for the pandemic. But Michael Baker thinks the government and other groups are worried about being seen to do anything systematic like that. The government is sending some of its domestic supply of COVID-19 antivirals and booster vaccines to Pacific Island countries. It's also investing almost $4 million in a programme in which New Zealand health workers deliver public health advice and vaccine rollout support in the Cook Islands, Niue, Tokelau, Samoa, Tonga and Tuvalu. The government's also paying an extra $1.1 million to the World Health Organization to increase access to COVID-19 therapeutics in the wider Pacific with accompanying technical support. Foreign Affairs Minister Nanaya Mahuta made the announcement in the Cook Islands during a visit to Rarotonga Hospital. A migrant nurse who had been considering leaving New Zealand now thinks this week's immigration changes will mean she can stay. The government's plan doesn't move nurses onto the super-fast-tracked green list, but it does reopen the skilled migrant category. Navneet Kaur says she's been advised she can go down that pathway. I came to New Zealand to live here. I chose New Zealand to live here, not to leave New Zealand. Now, it is a, there is a pathway, so yes, obviously I will stay here. Navneet Kaur is now asking how long it will take for her application to be processed. 
The former U.S. President Donald Trump has been ordered to give evidence to the Congressional Committee investigating the storming of the Capitol building in Washington in January last year. Mr. Trump has dismissed the hearings and asks why he wasn't asked to testify earlier. The BBC's Gary O'Donoghue has more. It begs many more questions than it answers, to be honest. Will he comply in any way? Will he comply and then not answer any questions? All of those options are possible. And the key thing also is that time is running out for this committee. Bear in mind it's a committee set up by the Democrats who control the House of Representatives. If they lose the midterms and elections in 26 days' time, at the end of the year when the new Congress comes in, uh, the Republicans can simply dismantle this committee. A protest group is defending holding protests on Wellington motorways, saying the action is a last resort. The group wants passenger rail to be restored and have held three highway protests this week. Kirsty Frame reports. Police were roaming around central Wellington motorways this morning and so the protesters went further north to block State Highway 2 at Hutt Valley instead. Six activists sat on the southbound lane next to the Melling train station and blocked traffic. The demonstration lasted about five minutes as police shut the operation down. Six people were arrested and police are considering charges. Members of the group had been trespassed and charged for blocking two other roads this week. A spokesperson for the group says restoring passenger rail will help address the climate and cost of living crises. It's five minutes past twelve. The fourth complainant to testify against a Wellington man accused of rape says her initial feeling was confusion when she awoke on top of him. A 25-year-old Wellington man who has name suppression is charged with several sexual offences against six women. In video evidence, the young woman said she fell asleep next to a male friend after consensual sex, but woke the next morning to find the accused having sex with her. Two weeks later, she tested positive for chlamydia. She told the court she later installed a lock on her door. A new salmon farm in the Mackenzie district is tipped to create hundreds of jobs in the region. Mount Cook Alpine Salmon is constructing the country's first land-based salmon farm and its chief executive, David Cole, says it will need a skilled workforce. We believe in the first 10 years another 280 jobs and the interesting thing is that the, the nature of these jobs being a more technological type uh, operation are going to be more highly skilled. David Cole says that will pose some challenges and it's working with local councils on how to ensure affordable housing supply and good amenities to attract and retain that skilled workforce. The new farm would double the company's annual production to between 6,000 and 8,000 tonnes of fish. Sir Brian Roche will lead a panel to scrutinise a review of defence policy. The government has commissioned the review to ensure New Zealand's defence policy, strategy and planned capability investments are fit for purpose. Others on the panel include former Deputy Prime Minister Sir Don McKinnon and former Chief of Army David Gorn. Families of victims of a US school shooting have condemned the verdict of a jury which voted not to impose the death penalty. Nicholas Cruz, who's 24, had pleaded guilty to killing 17 people at a high school in Parkland, Florida, four years ago. The jury accepted he should be spared execution because of mental health problems. He will instead be sentenced to life in prison without parole. Ilan Alhadev's daughter was among those who died in the shooting. What do we have the death penalty for? What is the purpose of it? You set a precedent today. You set a precedent for the next mass killing, and nothing happens to you. You'll get life in jail. 
I'm sorry. That is not okay. As a country, we need to stand up and say that's not okay. Ilan Alhadef says the gunman is not a human being, describing him as an animal. Police in India have captured a man-eating tiger that killed 13 people in 10 months. Hundreds of wildlife officials and volunteers have been tracking the animal for days before it was tranquilized. The BBC's Anbar Asanetirajan reports. Villagers in Gachiroli district in central India were living in fear because of the tiger attacks. Many of them even avoided leaving home at night. The captured man-eater has been sent to live in a rescue center. Experts say a tiger targets human beings when it becomes too old, weak or injured to hunt its usual prey. Last week, another man-eating tiger was shot dead in the state of Bihar. India is home to the world's largest population of tigers in the wild. There are nearly 3,000 tigers in wildlife reserves and the numbers are growing. In Britain, a TV show in which a studio audience will decide whether comedian Jimmy Carr should destroy a painting by Adolf Hitler is being criticised. The Channel 4 show is intended to debate whether it is possible to separate a piece of art from its controversial creator. It's also expected to feature artworks by Rolf Harris, the former entertainer who was found guilty of the sexual assault of underage girls. The Holocaust Memorial Day Trust is calling the show deeply inappropriate. That's the news.